This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. fans welcome back to previously on lost this is episode number 27 and we're recording about the the episode orientation and we're gonna be showing some film that needs to be spliced back together but probably won't on this episode but i can't do it alone so i am mike and i have with me Corey. what's going on man hey man well i'm i'm pretty warm it's like 100 degrees here in uh, the los angeles area today Mm. Or or at least my car said it was 100 and got all my fans off in my room so that the sound is a little bit better. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling nice and toasty. In other words, feeling every great. time he records Lost, he's going to be losing weight is what's going to happen. That's <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, away the bounds. I'm also wearing a bunch of uh, garbage bags, too. I'm helping. I'm getting ready for a, a fight coming up soon. <laughs> got to make weight. Got to train. Got to train. <laughs> Oh, and I have also with me Steven. How's it going, man? It's going good. Going good. Awesome. Sweet. Sweet. And uh, well, we uh, we don't have really any show or network announcements, but um, but hey, I- I'm going to brag a little bit because it was me. But um, by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be about three or four weeks old, maybe, possibly. But I was on a uh, I was on the Deucecast movie show. Uh, on the Retro Zap Network the other week, uh, top five deep sea films. I, w- I had a blast on that. So, if you want to know what top five? Nice. Are, go listen to it. Cause... Deep sea film. I can. O- I, can I, I. I'm not sure if Waterworld qualifies, but I certainly hope no. that was an. Op- no. Oh man. I am currently I watching. Said, a DC, DC I think he film. said DC, not deep sea. Oh, I thought you said DC. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, really... I totally misunderstood. That. <laughs> That's we were... funny. Although oh. now I really want this uh, top five deep sea podcast. Ooh, it, uh, Life Aquatic, I think, definitely would be on there. Ooh, good choice. Oh my, that's uh, funny. Sorry, that's took funny. us off the rails. I miss miss her. Finding you. Nemo. Just go on the rails, <laughs> off the rails. We found a whole new track on that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but look, it's been uh, it's been great, guys. So make sure you check out all the other stuff on the network. Um, you can uh, find all of our uh, all of our shows, uh, all of our articles t public store all those other kinds of things on the retrozap.com website all right into some orientation here on this episode they we are in 44 to 40 day 44 to day 45 on the island so steven what happened last time on the island all right previously on lost while running a tour of the stod in los angeles jack meets a man named desmond who is training for a race around the world. Jack explores the hatch and comes across a bulkhead covered in cement, which magnetically attracts the marshal's key. Desmond holds Locke at gunpoint and forces him to enter the numbers into a computer before a timer runs out. Kate escapes from her confinement and makes her way into the air duct. Desmond sends Locke out where Jack can see him and orders him to drop his gun. Sawyer and Michael swim back to shore, where they are greeted by Jen running out of the jungle, yelling, Others! And see shadowy figures emerging onto the beach. So technically, Jen did not yell others. He yelled utters. Yeah, just saying. say the same thing. <laughs> oh. I I thought about trying to do a Jen impression there and decided against it. <laughs> that is. Well, that's, know, at, least, at least that's what the sub subtitle said when I was watching it. You, you know, my, my dad grew up with animals on a. It wasn't a farm, but they always had to milk the cow before anyone could eat so i think maybe that's how he woke up a lot of times oh just utters utters oh my <laughs> we have we have gone off the rails we haven't talked about the episode this is great oh anyways this is season two for some reason this is not episode two i don't know why i put this on there this is season two yes it is no it's not episode three this is episode three season two <laughs> episode three wow y'all 
quarantine has been long. Season two, episode three. This episode aired October 5th, 2005. It was directed by Jack Bender, written by Javier Rio Marco and Craig Wright. Michael, Sawyer, and Jen find themselves prisoners after they counted what to believe to be a group of others at the hatch. The group learns more about their new surroundings but are confused at Desmond's reaction when the strange computer equipment is broken. Wow, that's a that's a good summary. It's juicy summary. Well, I have some uh, episode facts for us here. First off, the Dharma Initiative film was shot AP set of Alias, um, a show from 2001, which I figured out was uh, a location called Authorized Personnel Only. I've never seen mm-hmm. Alias, but I, I saw, I Googled a picture just moments ago, and you can tell it definitely, obviously it's the same location, but it, it looks pretty cool. Uh, and then also in a photograph in the bunker, we see Desmond with a woman. This is Penny, played by Sonia Walger who physically won't make her first appearance in the series until the season two finale, um, live together, die alone. Uh, in the original airing of this episode, the picture did not show Walger. It was only after it was decided that Desmond would become a more important character that Walger's image um, was dropped into the picture for subsequent airing, uh, TV airings and the DVD um, Blu- Blu-ray releases. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's an interesting moment. Like Jack looks at the picture, and I I can't remember if it was another woman or if Desmond was by himself or what it was. I think it was an, just another woman. Another woman. Hmm. But I don't even remember that because I think I watched this first on um, DVD anyway. So, hmm. uh, anyways, uh, also we have another fact here. This was originally meant to be the last time we saw Desmond, but the character proved so popular his accent and his hair uh, that he returned <laughs> for the season two finale and became a uh, series regular following that. So yeah, classic character Desmond, hard to imagine the show without him. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And then finally Bernard, Cindy and Libby spoiler alerts uh, <laughs> were, were portrayed by extras <laughs> in the, in the scene that we see kind of at the beginning slash the end of the previous episode uh, when attacking the raft survivors and in the following scene when they are being transported to the the pit. Uh, this could have been done for budgetary reasons uh, as not to pay the actors for a full episode or because they had not been cast yet in the case of Bernard and Libby. So, yeah, I think I mean, the probably the easiest thing to do is just have them be kind of shadowy figures, because why would you pay like an expensive actor just to right. watch the background anyways? Well, I, I tried to watch this pretty close, and I would say that there there are a lot of similarities. Like, it feels like the character, the extras they did use, you could tell who they were supposed to be when we go back and know who the actors are in the future. So they, I think they had some sort of an idea. I think Bernard's, the the Bernard character definitely seemed younger. But, you know, I mean, the, the hair, the, you know, features and clothing kind of, you know, made it seem like they were at least knew what the characters were going to be like. Yeah. I, I think for Libby too, she has like such dirty, like scraggly hair. And then like yeah. the, she's like wearing rags. Like you don't even really, you're not even looking at her face. You're like, Whoa, look at the, like her hair and like the clothing. She looks like so dilapidated uh, that it's, you know, that's, uh, that's what extras are supposed to do. You're not really supposed to be looking right at their features. Cause then you notice it's the wrong person. Yeah. But interesting. So that is the end of the facts there. And uh, let's talk about some episode moments then. All right, so let's talk about the episode itself. Um, I'm going to let one of you guys start it off uh, this time. So what, what's what's an episode moment or, or event that really happened that kind of just really stuck out to you that you we want to talk about? Well, I just – I love the way this episode starts. I think at the very beginning we get kind of a throwback – to the season finale where uh i mean it, it's kind of summarized what what happened in the last few episodes but then you know jack confronts confronts Locke right away all roads lead here this this is this is what's supposed to happen and you know immediately the computer gets gets shot and i think i think it's quite a long cold open you get 
we even get a flashback. It's really and, long. Yeah, we get the flashback of Locke with Helen, and then we, we'll talk about that later. But then we have the great the great moment of Desmond being like, uh, you know, the world's gonna end, or or you just you just no, you just killed us all. That wasn't that. And then it goes to to the title screen, and I, I just great opening, really just intense uh, stakes built right away. Oh yeah, it, it it and I did notice it took really I took a long time um, to get to uh, where we needed to get to in the episode before actually you hear that you see the title screen itself. But yeah, I, I love the opening. I love the way they they really did kind of rebuild everything up. Okay, just in case you forgot what's happened, here's let, let's kind of give you a, a refresher. Yeah, I can. I feel like this episode is almost like the end of like we've said this before it's like the end of a three-part story arc that we have right. going on here and this this feels like actually the show settling into the beginning of season two right yeah the the, the first two episodes just kind of overlapped each other and he I, this is the episode where we get a little bit of forward momentum um up, up to even the beach you know we, we have just a little short scene on the beach where um you know, Hurley and Saeed are the basically the camp is moving back to the beach. And then you realize like, we've essentially been at the same night, the same period of time since yeah. the last two part finale into the first two episodes of this season. So we've been stuck in the same night, you know, seeing all angles of what was going on in the hatch. So this is the first time we kind of start to get some forward momentum and and, you know, yeah. move forward. Yeah, I think a lot of like the the first couple episodes, there's like, oh, that's cool. Like these are some cool scenes, but like, what is the point? Well, now we get to the point. Like this is the point. All right. Now after this, when we get to the next episodes, when things are really going to start picking up, <laughs> everybody hates Hugo. <laughs> oh, oh, another great Hurley episode. We'll talk about that later. By the way, let's talk about Hurley real quick. So when. <laughs> When they're putting the numbers into the computer after they get it fixed, they say four. Pearly just kind of turns around real quick. Like, wait a minute, what? And then eight. <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Fifteen. Whoa, guys. Sixteen. Wait a minute, guys. Guys. He's like, you know what? I don't even care anymore. <laughs> yes. Well, because Locke gets the, the last number wrong. So he's like, huh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Oh, poor Hurley. I mean, you got to put yourself in his spot, though. I mean, how weird is this situation for him where he's he won the lottery with these numbers? He feels like they're cursed and they just keep showing up. They're on the outside of the hatch. They're on the inside of the hatch on the computer. I mean, this, I, you got you got to feel for the guy. You understand why he, you know, like, yeah. he's really got to be struggling with that. So. So this speaking speaking of Hurley, so this episode essentially had three storylines in it. You had the the hatch storyline, what was going on with the numbers and everything else like that. Then you had the um the Jen Sawyer Michael storyline going on. And then you also had the backstory for Locke and and, and Helen. Um so do we want to hit one storyline and kind of hit all our points in that storyline and then kind of go go that route? Let's dig into each section. We could do that. Sounds like a good plan. All right. So which one do you all want to start with? You want to do the hatch, the flashback, or our adrift folks? Let's talk about the flashback first. Okay. Um, yeah, I think this is I think this is one of the best flashbacks that we get. Like, mm-hmm. Of, of the whole series. And I, what, what I really appreciate this and lost does this brilliant, brilliantly several times is they're able to bring in a new character and make this story like so important. And it feels like suddenly like this story has been going on forever. They do this later with like Richard Alpert's flashback um, with like getting the backstory of, of Sawyer and Juliet in season five, like, you really like it happens all in one episode, but but it it feel like each scene is so great, it makes it feel like this has been part of the series for a long time. Like Helen becomes an extremely important character, and she, you know, is huge in Locke's story. And I, I don't know how many episodes she's really in, like five 
like maybe, yeah, maybe less. But you can tell like each scene in this in this uh, flashback, like how critical she is to who Locke has become on the island. Hmm. And when we get so we like we start off with the the anger management. And I think it's so great that like we learn, of course, Locke is in anger management. And um, I, I love his tirade against the girl that had her 30 bucks stolen. <laughs> Poor Francine. I, I got to say, I, I don't if I was in an anger management class, I don't think I would want Locke in that same class. <laughs> I mean, that was <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious, but it was kind of harsh. <laughs> Yeah, I think you'd have to go to another anger management class and like complain about Locke. I've got this guy in this this bald guy in my other class. Uh, yeah, he's he, you know, you can just tell in it. And Terry O'Quinn is so great at the way he plays these scenes. Like you can feel the frustration. Like I've had some frustrating uh, moments where I've I felt like uncont- like really angry. You know whether it was an ex-girlfriend or whatever you everybody's had those moments but i've never had anything like Locke has going on but you but because of his performance like you can feel like i feel it when i watch it i'm like oh my gosh i feel his his sort of his anger like he has to keep driving back there and you know you just want him to like just stop just you got yeah you've got this woman who loves you why do you have to keep going back to him he's just so mad about it Right, and 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 it's amazing that 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 he gets on to these people in in their in their group meeting. You know, she she didn't steal a lot from me, but she stole a little bit, and it still really upset me. And he just starts laughing, and 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 she stole money. She did this. She did that. Really, I want my kidney back. And he's just like, I'm just gonna up this. I mean, he's a mad individual. He he's a silent fumer, is what we call yeah. him. He's a silent fumer, and then when he's out there, he's trying to light light the cigarette. You know, that's when Helen, of course, comes out. It pretty much says, "You've said everything to them people that I've been wanting to say now for a while." <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just yeah, he's he, he he's angry, and I guess he feels like he still has control over if he's parked outside this guy's if he's parked outside Anthony's house. I, I think Terry O'Quinn does such a good job too and and play in the flashbacks you you can really see the difference between the you know confident hunter man who feels like he's got a purpose on the island and in the flashbacks you really even though he's an older gentleman he still feels like a kid who's been scorned by his father you know yeah he, he does a really good job of going back and forth between those two and and you know you just you you feel what he's feeling i i terry o'quinn is awesome and this this was a great episode for him yeah and i i think you know you've get it's such a complete story and like the flashbacks aren't even that long they're all short scenes so the next one uh is when he's he he's leaving in the middle of the night and he goes and he and then uh, that's when Anthony Cooper comes and gets in the car. And that is a chilling scene. Uh, yeah, I, I was watching it and I, I tweeted you guys about uh, the line there. You know, um, you needed a father figure and I need and I needed a kidney, you know, and. You know, get over it is basically what he tells him, like, it's over, get over it. Uh, stop being a baby. And it it's hard to watch like he's he is a great villain. It, it takes me back to the the scene where it all happened, where you know where the, he had the surgery, and I still just can't get off the fact that he could have still got the kidney by being a decent father to Locke. You know, like he built a connection. Locke decided to give him the kidney. He could have maintained a relationship with him, and it, it's just so harsh that he did not. Like, you know, he he could have got that kidney without just totally, you know blowing him off but th- this is i guess who he is yeah so so when when helen shows up um at the end after he says okay I'll, i i won't go anymore and i really believe he genuinely meant that he was not going to go there anymore but that 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 urge to go back he went back 
And she went in there and she grabbed his keys out of the car and he went up to his gate and threw them over the <laughs> gate. And, and, and he is mad now because she's done that. But she had every right to because she was right when she said he's not coming out. He does not care about you. Yeah. And didn't she also run into the back of his car? Like she, <laughs> she did. She may have yeah. gone a little overboard there. Oh, she just <laughs> nudged him a little bit. But but. She, she she was right. Anthony Cooper did, does not care about Locke. And and he had to hear it like that. That was like the only way he was going to understand it. Yeah, I, I love this scene. I think she is so right. And she plays this part beautifully. You know, it makes you want to cry watching it because like she you can tell how much she actually loves John. And she's like, are, are you are you serious? Like, I'm I want to be with you. I'm here with you. We can do this together. You can't do this alone and you are going to get nothing from this guy. Like, what do you want from him? And, you know, Locke, he can't let it go. And that is a theme of the show, letting things go as we, you know, the more you watch the show, the more you see how much of a part of that, that theme is part of every flashback and stuff. And, you know, Locke is just unable to do that. Um, I think the previous scene where, the, where they have dinner and she gives him the key, like, that is probably the happiest you see Locke. And he seems very genuine when he says, like, you know, you're right. I'm done. I'm not I'm not going back there. And that's what makes that final scene so heartbreaking is you're like, oh, come on, man. You had it like just just let it go. But he can't do it. Yeah. Got to got to throw a little a little de- devil's advocacy in here. It the the fact that she puts an ultimatum on him there. I, I don't know if that was really the appropriate thing to do, considering the fact that he's going to do this, it doesn't have anything to do with her. Like, he's not, this is obviously something he's dealing with, and I, I'm sure she can be upset that he's not including her in that or, or sharing that with her. But, I mean, essentially, it doesn't really have anything to do with her. This is just his really weird way of spending his free time um so, <laughs> so an uh, to me to me i don't know if that's the best way to start a relationship or you know living well, together is with an ultimatum well i i think okay so i think the ultimatum didn't come until later so what had happened originally she, she tried to be nice about it she said hey i know you've been going there and 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 she was kind of like hey do you really need to and then when he wouldn't listen and then she and then he lied to her I think that's yeah. what really made her upset when when she said, just don't go back there. And he said, OK, you know what? I'm done. And he ends it back there again. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think now that you say that, I think what it, the first scene, she said the only condition is that you, if you stay over, you stay over. So yeah. right. she was just asking him not to leave in the middle of the night. Not well, so. it, and it was definitely past six months because she gives him the key at, at their six month uh Right. Anniversary or whatever. She was willing to build this relationship with him and he was not willing to let go of the past to move forward with a better life. I mean, she was she she was ready. So I think think there had to come an ultimatum where she ended up saying, look, it's either this guy who doesn't care about you or me because I'm not I'm not going to keep waiting around for it. Well, well, if if you guys remember, uh, I think he does. He does choose her. Right. And they have some sort of period of happiness. Mm-hmm. And then and then uh, Anthony Cooper comes back to him or whatever kind right. of happenstance and asks he, him he, for help. He dies, quote unquote, in a newspaper article. She found out that he dies. And then really he faked his death to get a bunch of money and was going to split the money with Locke. And then she shows up at the hotel yeah. by the um by the airport. And he said, I was going to propose to you. And she just drives away, leaves him. Yeah, what makes Locke's story so sad is because like half of it is definitely just like his fault or his inability, but half of it is just he's put in such frustrating situations and he has such bad luck that you you really feel for him. Yeah. Well, he never took the leap of faith. And speaking of the leap of faith, let's leap over to the hatch story because yeah. there's a lot of leap of faith talk going on here. Well, I just wanted to say I, I love the way in her speech, you know, she says, 
you know, you're afraid. Um, basically, that's that's why he can't move on. And she says, you know, it's that's why it's called the leap of faith. And uh, we have the leap of faith brought up later in the hatch too. And it, this, I love the way this flashback directly ties into the the button and the the hatch storyline. Yeah. Um, well, yes, little, go ahead, Stephen. Before we move on, one one little question, last question about this timeline: Is it the fact that this was Helen? Do we ever find out? Because this is this one's bugged me for years. When his pre the walkabout flashback where he is on the phone and he tell he invites Helen to to walk about with him, and he ends up and you know she says she can't because she's a client. And we find out. It's a, you know, whatever we call that, phone sex, whatever. And that's Helen. Is that just a coincidence? Does he, do we think he asked that phone sex lady to be called Helen because he had this relationship and cared about Helen? Is he, like... I think it's that one. I think it's, from everything I understood, that was not the Helen that we meet. That was just... Somebody I'm pretty sure it's not the same Helen. It was somebody just he wanted to call Helen. That yeah. that or maybe her name is Helen, and that's why he chose her, or whatever the reason is. Um, she is some sort of fantasy replacement, where when he's talking to her, he can pretend it's you know Helen. the other Helen. Yeah. Yep. So, All right. So, Patch it up here. Uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Jack before we get back to, to Locke. Like, I think that this is actually a really good. There, there's really good sub sub stories. Like like Locke, or uh, Jack actually has a really good kind of mini arc throughout this whole episode because he's the one who is so against believing. He's the one who's so um, skeptical of everything. And they they watch the film. And of course, the whole time he is trying to figure out whether he really knows Desmond or not. He's he's fighting with that. And I love that that Locke can believe that everything from the film, he can believe everything Desmond says. But the one thing that Locke doesn't believe is, is he says, you know, if you think you recognize him, that is crazy. Like, that's <laughs> impossible. You don't know him. <laughs> Oh, but we finally have that video, and and we and we I knew it was coming eventually. Um, yeah, it, it this whole Jack storyline in this episode was, um, to be honest, they they could have done that, a whole episode on its own with it, but I understand they needed to get out of the way from from him saying the beginning, I'm not going to push a stupid button, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this to following desmond you know out of course we we understand that you know the computer gets shot at on accident and then desmond freaks out and um they eventually have to get saeed to fix the computer and they have just enough time to fix it and jack follows desmond out into the woods and just has this 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 conversation with Desmond. Maybe it's not in the woods yet when they're still in the hatch. And I, I think we talked about this right before we started recording. But how apropos that two and a half minute scene when Desmond and Jack are talking about, did you ever think you're down here? Because maybe it's an experiment. That's the reason there's quarantines written on the hatch. And I'm sitting here thinking, hello, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> not that not that everything that's going on is an experiment. That's not I'm not belittling it. What I'm saying is this this conversation between the two. Jack's oh, yeah. like, Desmond's like, like, this is real. Jack's like, it's an experiment. And he, you know, he also says there, there's 40 of us out there. None of us have gotten sick. You know, the store right. says quarantine. Nobody's sick. Yeah, and and oh, it, it is so fitting. It really does uh, eerily have these ties to today's world. And I, I love this scene. I've always loved this when. You know, Desmond kind of pours out his heart, tells him the whole story of whatever Kelvin dying and, and him being stuck there. And then Jack, he comes back and he questions. He's like, do you ever think that they're, they're just doing this just to mess with you? And Desmond, you know, very, uh, uh, you know, honestly just says every single day. Yeah. But 
he still presses the button. He still does it. And I, I think that is really interesting. Like, just like us, we will question things every single day, but, you know, we, we still are doing what, what we, uh, you know, are supposed to be doing. So I, I thought it was really interesting, uh, kind of that, that back and forth between, um, questioning things, being skeptical, believing, following things. It, it's just a really interesting thematic kind of, uh, mixology in there. Yeah. Well, both the scenes with Desmond and Jack were really good. The one in the in the hatch, and then when he follows him out into the woods, and you know they kind of finally have that realization that they know each other. Um, I could definitely see why they brought Desmond back. You know, you're you're right earlier. Like it would have been weird. It would have been a different show without Desmond. But man, he really makes an impression here in this episode even more than the last couple. Um, you know, that scene with him and Jack in the woods is well, dude, really like, good stuff. It actually kind of blows my mind that they weren't going to bring him back. Like he's, <laughs> he sits there and he tells that story. He's like, I was doing a, a race around the world. I crashed. They captured me. I was here with Kelvin. He died. This happened. That happened like, right there. That's an amazing flashback story <laughs> that we later get. Of course, people want right. to see that flashback. Of course, <laughs> we want to hear that story. They, I don't know. They they just like let's just throw this together. Like ah, it sounds good enough or whatever. Like I don't know how much they planned into it, but it sounds amazing. And then yeah, the scene at the end uh, with Jack and and Desmond. I feel like that scene is almost a conclusion to the the premiere. Like we bring it all back to Sarah, you know, him marrying her. You know, we talk about them being divorced, saving her, like that whole thing. It's like that really pays off that really intense uh, premiere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, it was interesting how Desmond was able to pull that out of him. And, and Hey, whatever happened to that, to, to that girl? And he said, you know, the other one, he's in, in Utah, Jackson apartment. And he just said, Sarah, he's, I, I married her. And you could tell like Jack is like torn up. Yeah. about his about about his past and he was never so it's almost as if desmond was able to get jack to let that go <laughs> running theme here <laughs> yeah let it go you screwed it up let it go and of course we don't see desmond anymore until his boat ends up back around on, on the island and he's drunk inside the boat <laughs> i will say it looks like he only took one bottle of scotch with him so like i don't know that how he's clutching <laughs> I don't know how he's I don't know how he's drunk like on the boat for weeks or whatever he ends up being but I love how so many seeds are planted of De- of Desmond's character like are already and I wonder I would love to hear an interview from Henry Ian Cusack and wonder like how much of this is like him trying to get into the heads of the writers to figure out who this guy is like you know cuz actors they want to know everything you know just for their own performance and how much was like really planned out about this guy cuz it's it's right. interesting that it seems like he's a very, very deep character, even though the plan was only to have him in a few episodes. Yeah. Um, so we watched the orientation video. So many things that we could spend so much time talking about in this movie, in this video. But um, Mike, it's actually a film. Sorry. OK, sorry. Film. <laughs> the orientation film. All right. And and we see that what the name of the station is. Um, we see we hear the first mention of the incident. Um, and of course, we see the, the you can definitely tell the film has not it's not the full thing. Like it's skipping like important segments that you wish yeah. you could hear. And we don't now we'll get that later on um, when they splice it back together again. But uh, but we have the film, and we start learning some of the founders, why it was founded, what the group name is. We learn all these different kinds of things from this film. Interesting yeah. film. Yeah, and I, we could talk about this all day. Um, but my question is, when did they come up with the phrase Easter eggs for like things you find in movies and, and TV shows? Because this is like the Easter egg jackpot, like every single frame you could freeze and like, who's that? Where is this? Mm-hmm. Who's this guy? Like, and so much of this stuff, we we don't really learn that much. Like Alvar, Alv, whatever, Hanzo, we, like we don't the learn that much more it. about him, but well, sorry, Steve, this, you were going to say something. 
No, this is why I think season two was my favorite season. Because I like the questions. I like the mystery. And season two is really where the mystery just explodes. You know, you got some mystery in season one, but season two just takes it to a whole nother level. And I, the entire run of the series, I was expecting to hear more about the DeGroots and Alvar Hanzo. I mean, that was something that I had in my head that really stuck with me. And I, I thought it would be more of the story. And it turns out that they, most of the answers we got on that was from the, uh, it was the alternate reality game that, you know, uh-huh. between season was it two? I think it was season two and three. So I mean, that's we learned a lot about them outside of the show. But I kept just expecting that to be a part of the end game. And I think you know maybe that's why some people who were really into the mystery were disappointed by the ending of Lost, just because we didn't get all these answers that were you know started in season two. Well, um, maybe. We would have got that in season four if they didn't have the writer strike and we were like spliced down episodes like by half. Yeah, I feel like season four was a season that was really delving into the sci-fi aspects of the show, and it felt like the season, especially with uh, Faraday coming in and all the other researchers, and it gets cut off, you know, at episode fourteen, and it is a fantastic season, but yeah, it gets it definitely probably would have been. I would say at least like eight episodes longer, maybe, maybe not eight, maybe like five, but probably like 20 episodes. Some 20, some is what they were planning. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I, I think the, the writers also said that they, um, you know, until they came up with the end date for the show, till they, once they got the end date negotiated where they knew where they were going, I think before that they were opening up a lot more questions because they didn't know how long they were going to be running. I think that's what they've said. Yeah. So, you know, once they set that in, they, they kind of had a forward path. And I feel like, yeah, maybe some of the the exterior stuff, I, I'll liken it to a, a recent show, the, uh, the Game of Thrones, which has been kind of controversial, where once it starts on that trajectory towards the end of the show, we lose all the other, like, outside pieces, you know, the the Dario Naharises of the, the what's going on in Marine in in game of thrones kind of thing where some of this stuff that they put out there i think once they started really you know limiting the number of episodes they had to finish it i think some of this stuff got lost yeah i do think that lost uh whether people like this or not it does a great job of thematically like showing you that like part of the message of the show is you don't get all the answers because if the characters can't get all the answers then you can't get all the answers (laughs) And I think one thing that's cool about this episode is you have all these like mysteries and details planted and this weird question of whether the hatch, whether the button is real or not. It's like it's like a Twilight Zone episode and you and you're stuck in there and you're wondering, is this a mind game or is it not? And these other extraneous details are just part of part of the experiment in a way and and. And part of the mystery and like it's not that important every single detail but it definitely the whole pick big picture is super important hmm. okay yeah I, I definitely feel like this this to me feels like you know kind of like the twilight zone or something where it's like do you push the button or do you not is the world going to end and i think that is ultimately like the coolest coolest part of uh the hatch and like whole, all of season two and yeah, that is love, the that is the question of season two really it's yeah and i think that desmond has a lot of great important stuff the film is really cool of like it's great you know john was like i gotta watch this again which is totally like a shout out to, <laughs> that's shout john out to right the there <laughs> like that's exactly what everybody wanted to do after they watched this episode like if you had a dvr you're like I'm about to watch this again, or hopefully you figured out when the next time it aired, because because you need to see this again. Uh, but just to tie up the hatch, I think the the last scene is just amazing. You know, they get the you know get the computer running again after Loctus is kind of like whining, yelling, and stuff. And uh, it still kind of always surprises me that Locke he gets what he wants, 
but then he's like, no, I got to make Jack do it with me. He's like, I got to, he's like, I got to get the last word and force Jack in here because Jack, Jack gives him a, a sliver of, of, uh, you know, of showing him that he believes a little bit. Like why would Jack come back and tell him that the last number is 42 if he doesn't have like a little bit of hope or a little bit of thought that maybe it's real. Yeah. And I got to say that this scene again, I reminded me just why the original plan when Jack was going to die and Saeed and Kate would have been the leaders. This again shows why Saeed is, would have been a much better leader than Jack or Locke or any of them. The, you know, they're arguing about who's going to push it. Saeed like, this is irrelevant. And he's just going to go hit it. Like, he doesn't care about all their, all their nonsense. <laughs> we're going to hit the, I fixed this thing. We're going to hit the button. Right. Yeah, and I'm glad that they finally, you know, we get some Saeed and some Hurley coming back into the story. I liked Hurley finding the food pantry. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Because obviously everybody's going to hate Hugo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because, oh, I love I loved the next episode. Oh, I can't wait to the next one. I, I do I do agree. I do like this episode because this is the episode that when you do start talking about the mysteries on the island, that this is really – so we had a few things in a drift. You know, we had a – you know, with the sharks and the Dharma logo. We had a couple things in the first episode where they get in the hatch and they meet Desmond. But this episode is like when everything just kind of – holy crap, what's the what's the Dharma initiative? Where'd they go? Why are they here? Who are they? What is the hatch? What is the button? Why do we have to push the button? Who is Kel- – I mean – this is where Lost may be going on one trajectory, and then all of a sudden, boom! Here's the tree. <laughs> yeah. So, and this is this is Lost. This is it done right. Like this is mystery. Like there's mystery, there's exposition and information, but there's also like emotion and intensity and stakes and you know it, a lot of drama to it. It's not just like uh, what's the episode where we learn about Jacob and. The Man in Black, where it's just like, oh, it's just like, this is like reading a history book. You know, this is this is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So again, we 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 learn about the incident and the film. We learn about um, where the funding for Dharma came from. Uh, we learned Swan Station. Of course, we learned that there's others later on. Um, is and then if, again at the end, you have Jack finally coming in and realizing it's 42. The last number is. 42 and then Locke puts it in he's like jack i think you need to hit the enter button and jack just so he's almost as if the rift gets you know gets bigger between them but at the same time you start to see him kind of closing in like jack is just he's lost he's got he's got nothing else now so he hits the button and then Locke says i'll take first shift <laughs> so you you already know. All right, here we go. Yeah, it's be a shift schedule. And the, like the last four or five episodes of the show have just been Locke and Jack like trying to go back and forth at each other at this game and one upping each other. And right now Locke is the upper hand. Uh, oh yeah. And oh, yeah. Kate's the one. Kate's going back and forth, you know. And I mean this this continues on for seasons, you know, who people go into Locke's side and Jack's side. And just the fact that Hurley got dragged into this and, you know, he ends up getting a job out of it next episode. But he really all of that happened for Hurley just because he happened to be standing next to Saeed when Kate came to to get Saeed to fix the computer. It really kind of pulled Saeed because, you know, most of the the rest of the people aren't going to know about the hatch for a while. So if Hurley just hadn't been chatting with Saeed right there, he wouldn't have got stuck having to deal with the food and wouldn't have all that trauma that's going to happen to him next episode. Well, imagine if that was Nikki and Paulo that was standing next to Saeed (laughs) and they were in control of the food. Oh, oh, they really, they actually are there. They just, they haven't shown it. Another episode, they're like, oh, the camera didn't go far enough to the left. They were there. Or Scott or Steve standing next to him, either one. Oh, Scott's dead. Scott's dead. Sorry, Scott. Oh, Steve. Steve, whichever. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, I actually, I like, when I'm doing this rewatch, I like uh, looking at, like, what Hurley's doing. Because it's interesting seeing, like, he's the future Jacob or leader of the island, like, 
the, the the pivotal moments where he was just there sometimes just kind of in the background but observing and learning like what information he takes from these these experiences into his future uh, jacob ship of the island just yeah. a little nerd nerdness for me <laughs> to think about <laughs> Check oh. one. When I when I went and redo the island, no button. Check two. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So what, what, let's talk. Go ahead before we do our last uh, storyline. Sorry. One other little thing that's always bothered me to this day about this computer when they're entering these numbers. Why do they not have to hit the space bar? They type in these numbers and it separates mm. single digit and two digit numbers. And it's just always bugged me that it separates you know, it should either be one long string of numbers or it should put a space between each one. How does it separate 4, 8, 15, 16? That has always bugged me because they never hit the space bar. Yeah, that's that bugs me too. I don't know. Well, why. I will take it like this because when we find out later that the computer can only be used for um, the numbers and not as a communication tool because remember that video, that film – has been spliced and that part of the <laughs> section is why can you only use a computer please you can use the computer to enter it you know the original film says can only be used to enter the the numbers you can be given the extra splice part says because you know there was an incident with the computers therefore it can needs to only be used for so we would they take that part out so I'm guessing when they set it up, they set it up to only put that space between there and only allow you to hit numbers, although we know that's not going to be true later on. Yeah, I think it's confusing. I, f I feel like sometimes they actually do hit the space bar, too. Like probably like maybe the actor just did it. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I remember that. But I think there's some little continuity things with the, the computer that are confusing. There we go. Next time, next time I see... Um, uh, uh, Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof will ask him, hey guys, I got a question. How come? <laughs> That's like my big question. Uh, of all the questions, the mystery yes. of the magic space bar. Yes. Uh, one other thing I wanted to note before we move on, just for later to think about. So the the uh, survivors later flash or uh, you know transport to 1977. This video was marked uh, 19, you know, copyright 1980. So it's interesting to think you know, the incident happened in 77, they get it all geared up and they start having people in there and they say people are in for 540 day shifts, which what is that like a year and a half or something? Uh, and then, uh, you know, so they, they had already done this for three years and then they, they have the video that, you know, is, is supposed to be for the, you know, the remainder of people in there. And of course, I don't know how long Desmond's in there by himself, but yeah, it's amazing to think it's like another 24 years of people down in there pressing the button. Well, Desmond had been in there for three years. Three yeah, so years and 45 days, I know, because he was with, if I believe it, remember correctly, he was with Kelvin for three years. Before. And Rosinski. I, I, I don't think he was with Kelvin for three. I think he had been there a total of three years. But I because, may have even said at this episode how long he pushed it with Kevin or Kelvin. Okay, let I will um I, I I'll look it up as we move on to the uh, to yeah the, um we'll talk about Sawyer for a sec. Just yeah, uh, I, I think I think Rosinski. So I mean, to think about that guy was in there for twenty years. I mean, that guy was already kind of harebrained and crazy in the seventies, and then uh, obviously. Uh, it doesn't go that well for him. He ends up being a smudge on the ceiling or whatever. But um, the the other interesting little story I, I love. It's it's very short. It's very succinct. The the uh, Jin, Michael, and Sawyer down in the pit. Uh, yeah, this it does a great job just setting up that story, keeping it. You know, because of course when we're when you're first watching this and you're watching it week by week, you want to check in on some of these other characters like what the heck like that was the way the previous episode ended so really good tease uh i love that we get the the kind of uh, on island introduction of anna lucia when she gets thrown in the in the pit and of course her first appearance is playing uh undercover cop and then punching the crap out of a couple of them and stealing the gun like pretty pretty badass uh, introduction for her 
I gotta say, is as, as well versed as Sawyer is in cons, it really disappointed me that Sawyer didn't fi- didn't see through this one. The, the old fake prig- prisoner gag, so- Sawyer should have seen this one coming. It's true, but yeah. you know he he is probably pretty distressed. He just took a bullet out with his bare hands, and he was floating <laughs> on the in the ocean. He's definitely like, infected. And. Uh, Echo stabs him with the machete too. Like I don't know how he's still alive. By the way, he was with Calvin for two years. Okay, not three, but two years. And then because Calvin died on the day of the plane crash, because you remember after he killed him, he had to run back to the station. That's right. That's right. The plane had been come down because electromagnetism, and then he was alone for forty-five more days after that until they opened the hatch up. So just over two years. Gotcha. It was it was nice of Desmond to leave out the the part. He's telling the story about Kelvin, and he says, "And Kelvin died." We left out the part. Hey, I killed him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, doesn't doesn't mention the boat either. Conveniently. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, that makes sense because how long could a person push that button by themselves? Every one one hundred eight minutes, so you're getting ninety minutes of sleep at a time. Um, yeah, that's, that's not easy. Terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. And he did it for, you know, 700 something days. My goodness. No, no, no. He, he would have only done it for 40, whatever, however long the survivors were. Oh yeah, that's right. So he was only alone for five days by himself. But still that's, that's tough. I would have, I would have dragged the bed to the computer so when the alarm went off, you could just kind of hit the numbers <laughs> and fall back to sleep without fully waking up. I think or I could, least, I think I could figure least, it out. Or at least go ahead and have them entered so that all you do is reach up and just hit execute when <laughs> yeah. you start hearing the beat. And then re-enter them again and just go back to sleep. It's just like hitting snooze. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Oh, man. It's too bad we never got like a, another special Desmond episode where – He's just lazy around the hatch, like nothing interest, like nothing dramatic happens. Yes. It's just like a comedic episode. Sitting of- <laughs> there in his underwear, eating like a giant bowl of cereal, <laughs> and just, oh my goodness! Kind of like Castaway, he has like a volleyball friend or something <laughs> talking to. <laughs> oh, all right. Anything else, guys? No, I I think that's good. I mean, I I think that the I like the setup that we have with the uh, the Tailies. I also I love when they pull Anna Lucia out. I always thought that was kind of a cool like she puts her foot at the bottom of the rope. I'm like, oh, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> pull her up. It's it's she's like holding the gun. It's like wobbling like all over the place. Like she can't keep it straight. It's like bent yeah. down. Oh, little do they know how much use that pit has got. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of action happens in that pit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, we didn't really have an in memoriam today because, you know, we really didn't know Kelvin. So we'll have him later on. Um, nobody else I know of really, really died. Cool. Well, the computer died, but it was resurrected. Died. It was resurrected. <laughs> oh, so let's do it. 15 to 16 seconds. Um, give me your overall thoughts on the episode. Let's go round robin. Steven, you're up first. What do you think? thought this was a great episode um i really enjoyed the the orientation video all the questions it arise i'd say that one of the highlights is season two you know is really where you start developing a lot of questions start getting some answers um backstory stuff was great too uh enjoyed seeing peggy bundy as a, a serious actress that was that was new for me when i watched it uh, all in all uh. Great, great episode. Oh, Steven, you would have been the one to, to, to make that mention. I knew it was coming eventually. <laughs> That's, when, you know, when that, this was one of the first time I had seen her as anything other than Peggy, Peggy Bundy. Bundy. So that, yeah. that's the first thing I, the first thing I saw when I was like, Oh, that's Peggy Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> she, she really brought the hair down a, a couple levels. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, Corey, what'd you think of this episode, man? Yeah, I think this episode is like the perfect balance between character development, uh, drama, and island mystery. It's got all three blended into a perfect, uh, you know, perfect ball of uh, deliciousness, I guess. 
it's a great it's a great episode oh man uh i thought this episode was good myself again i'm not a huge a huge fan of season two but i did love this episode in the fact that um this was one of my favorite season two episodes and that it gave it really opened the door for um uh mysteries on the island and uh, that we're going to explore throughout season two and the rest of the series so i enjoyed it All Go right. ahead, Steven. Rate us out here. Time, time, time to rank this episode. Um, today we're going to rank it one out of twenty-three bad splices. Um, <laughs> so let's, Corey. What, what did you give this episode? Uh, simple for me. I, 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 I couldn't resist. You know, I love this episode. I love John Locke. I think this might be the best episode of the season, and I'm going. 23 out of 23 Ooh. bad splices. That is a lot of bad splices. That's, That's a, perfect, a lot of perfect, bad splices. Perfect score. I think there may have been that many splices out of this film. It was pretty choppy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> All right, Mike, uh, how about you? Uh, I myself also made to give it 23 out of 23 uh, bad splices. I think it was a uh, phenomenal episode. Um, it really, it really kind of sets the stage almost for the rest of the entire series. You have the incident, you have the swan, you have the hatches. I mean, you, you, this is, uh, this is it, man. I mean, everything hinges on this episode. So 23 out of 23 bad splices for me. All right. That's a couple of perfect scores there. I had given this one a 22 out of 23. I thought I was going pretty high, but uh, now you guys, now you guys are making me think I undershot it with a 22 out of 23. Now, you uh, did. You need to go rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm with you. Got great episode. Um, all around, really, really good stuff. Sweet. Uh, as far as our uh, Sawyer's name dictionary this week, uh, Anna Lucia gets called sister and cupcake. <laughs> Um, Echo gets called Shaft and we're still sitting at a total freckle count of five because obviously they haven't seen each other in a while Um, some pop culture connections here Uh, Sawyer is planning his escape from the pit he mentions Mr. Echo will get a surprising howdy doody when he comes back to check uh, so Howdy Doody gets a shout out. Uh, was a children's television program that aired from 1947 through 1960. Howdy Doody himself was a freckled faced boy marionette. Steven, do you remember um, the 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 premiere episodes of this of this episode of this of the show? Oh, oh, ouch. Uh, oh. Yeah, we we won't comment on what birthday I just hit this last week. Uh, what? Oh, I wasn't quite around back back then. Oh. But I, I, only in reruns. <laughs> So oh boy uh and then shaft uh soy refers to mr echo as shaft which is the main character from this movie it used as a model for um what they say black exploitation films it has elements of film nor it tells the story of a black private detective john shaft a sort of um the african-american answer to james bond um also the hatch contains several mystery and undercover agent books uh, a hooded crow by Craig Thomas, The Third Policeman by Flan O'Brien, High Hand by Gary Phillips, The Turn of the Screw by Henry James, Dirty Work by Stuart Woods, and Rainbow Six by Tom Clancy. Wow, I I never noticed those. So uh, we will see more screw. we will see more of the turn of the screw, I think, in this one. Yeah, that'll return a few times. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And our next episode, the one everybody hates. No, not really. I love this episode. Everybody hates Hugo. We're going to learn about Hugo's new important job and uh, and some more of, the, of of Hurley's backstory. Absolutely one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, we get a little more chill lost, you know, not as high strung. It's uh, we, we turn away from everything just being about Jack and Locke for for a little while. Right. Which is nice. I mean, I love I love Jack and Locke, but we need we need a break. We do. We do. All right. Uh, well, let's get some uh, some closing things here. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at RetroZapped, um, at Lost Rewatch Pod. You can find me at the DC Fanboy. Uh, Steven, what about you? Where can the fine folks find you? 
I am on Twitter at Lucky13Steve. And Corey, how about you? Uh, you fine folks can find me at Original Mav. I just wanted to see if I could do that tongue twister as well. <laughs> and you can find us on the RetroZap Discord. Go to RetroZap.com for more details. So before we head out, does anybody have anything else they want to bring up about orientation? Uh, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot more, but I'm just excited about the swan station and when you hear them say the swan for the first time and then you think about like how many times that is mentioned again till like the end of season five going into season six you're like dang like this this has so much that comes out of this this random little film like that they spliced <laughs> together and yeah like, filmed in the alien films on the alias set because like <laughs> oh we don't have time to make our own set let's just film it in the alias <laughs> yeah uh, and, and it, they got a lot out of it we also we also got the first name of uh dr marvin candle i think we'll see him pop up a couple more times with a few new names mm-hmm. who who the heck would have thought that that guy would later be a character and we'd meet his son and he would be a main character in the finale of the show. Right. <laughs> oh, I don't think the writers did. They had an idea, but they may not have been thought about that far ahead. Uh, they had no clue, uh, but uh, it worked out. It worked out. It did. It did. All right, guys. Well, uh, this has been great. And uh, this has been episode 27 of Previous and Lost. And we'll see you next time on episode 28. So until next time, wash your hands and peace out. Peace out. Bye.